Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. When you have it, please say amen. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. May God bless the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy and divine word. Remain standing and let's pray together. Gracious and eternal Father, we, we thank you, Lord, mightily for your word. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to greatness. Every one of us, Lord, have been fashioned for greatness for such a time as this, Lord. And Father, as we gather around your word, nothing is more important, Lord, than hearing what you have to say. All heaven and all earth must stop to hear the king of glory. Your word is everlasting. You said heaven and earth will pass, but my word will never pass away. Father, you said you want to teach us to be fishers of men. And God, I pray today that somehow in this broken flesh, somehow, Lord, through these lips and these hands and this clay, that somehow that you would use me to convey eternal truth that will change the life of everybody sitting in this room. Father, I am believing you, Lord, to come in a fresh way and help us, Lord. Help us to see, help us to, help us to reach out, help us to know, Lord, that this is your heartbeat, that this is, is what you were all about, that, Father, that this is the essence of what we do and why we exist here on this earth. Jesus, will you please use me? I'm humbled, Father, to be in your presence. And yet, Father, I feel so impassioned. Will you help me to articulate this word with boldness and with clarity so that the hearer will hear, take it and run, and advance the cause of Christ in the earth, we pray. And all God's people said amen. 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 You may be seated in the Lord's presence. We're beginning a new series. It's going to run probably, I don't know, at least a few weeks. The title of this series is called Contagious. The essence of this series is to inspire each and every one of us to be more like Jesus. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? I want to be more like Jesus in his character, his personhood, the way he treat people and all of that, and the way that he reached people. I have a passion to change the world. I have a passion to do this. I, from the moment that I got saved back in June 10, 1991, I gave my life to Christ, I knew at that very moment that I was destined for something greater than just paying bills, going to work, having a good time, going to the shopping mall, 
going through the routine of life. I knew at that particular moment that when, when God saved me, I knew that, that there was a greater purpose in my life. I knew that he did not save me to simply just to be good, to simply uh, just to be an upstanding citizen, which we all want to be. But God saved me with a divine purpose. He saved you with a divine purpose and with a divine calling. And it's when we embrace the call of God on our life fully and completely, when we truly, truly embrace the call of God, then and only then will our lives really be transformed. And I understand that perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you may not be all that excited about evangelism. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, I kind of, you know, would like to hear something else, Pastor. But when you study the life of Jesus, you understand that what got heaven going more than anything else, what, what really touched the heart of God more than anything else was when he reached people. When he reached people. If you're not doing that as a Christian this morning, then you are incomplete. It's not about how much you know. It's not just about how much you can dispense knowledge and information. It's about changing the world. I love, I love the clip that we showed you because, and you read uh, Matthew's gospel, and you, you read uh, Mark's gospel, they just kind of give you the, kind of a snapshot, just kind of indicates that Jesus just kind of went and he just kind of said to the disciples, you know, just come and follow me. Um, I don't think that was really how it was. I believe just like in Luke gives us more details that there was actually a conversation that took place. And they picked up everything. They left everything that they were comfortable with to follow him, to do what? Not to get more houses, bigger cars, but to become fishers of men. Let me tell you something right now. Particularly you who've been saved for a little while. And I know what I'm talking about. The biggest challenge for you and all of us is to step out of our comfort zone. To live on the wild side. To live on the edge. <laughs> Bill Hybels wrote this, and I wanted, I want to quote, quote this, in his book, Contagious Christianity, which is an incredible book. A lot of my sermon will be drawing ideas from that. It's just a great book. The book is called Contagious Christianity. His name is Bill Hybels. Listen to what he says. I want you to listen very, very carefully. If you're listening, say Amen. I quote, often I meet Christians who are in spiritual malaise, holding to their faith, but not advancing it much. Bible study has become a chore. Prayer is a dry routine. The miracle of their own conversion, once recounted with great passion, is now a distant, fading memory. And going to church is, well, is something they just do. Mechanically and half-heartedly, these people trudge along through the drudgery of a quarantine Christianity. But when these lethargic believers break out of spiritual isolation and meet some spiritual seekers, something incredible starts to happen as they experience the high-stakes conversions that tend to happen with unchurched people. They begin to notice a sort of inner renewal taking place. Areas long ignored suddenly come alive with fresh significance, unquote. 
what Bill Hybels was saying that what really is the engine to your faith is that you're dispensing it, that you're sharing it. That when you look at Acts chapter number 2, for an example, the Bible says that when the people of God were fellowshipping, breaking bread, breaking bread together, the Bible says that there was such a sense of awe over them. Why was there a sense of awe? Because so many people were getting saved. So many lives were being changed, and it became addictive. It became addictive because the people, they, they saw it. And you know when you really get serious about evangelism and touching the lives of people, how I many know it'll make you more passionate? It will make you study more. You know why? Because I got to answer some questions because I'm busy doing the work of the Father. But if you ain't busy evangelism, you don't really care much because you're not doing anything with what you got. So if you get the information and you're not dispensing it, you're not communicating, then what happens, you do get into that kind of malaise where it just kind of be like, oh, man, I'm just tired. And then that's when people get restless, and then that's when they start seeking, never realizing that the truth is the truth. If, if the Bible is being preached here, it's being preached somebody, it's the truth. It's the same gospel. But at some point, there has to be a stepping out. Are y'all dead this morning? Please talk to me. There has to be a stepping out because our faith is incomplete. Boy, you know, the apostles, when they were doing the miracles and the stuff that they were doing, I mean, man, they were like, wow, this stuff is good, man. I mean, look at these people. I mean, people were being healed and people being delivered and people being set free and people falling on their knees saying, what must I do to be saved? It was so powerful that every disciple died for it. They lay down their life and they say, man, I'm willing to die for this. This is amazing. This is amazing. Sharing your faith, living on the edge, the ordinary moments, ordinary moments when you go to the grocery store, or when you go to the soccer field, or, or when, you, when you go to the shopping mall. Yeah, I said a shopping mall. When, when you go to the golf course, that there can be moments of divine impact. That they're just not routine, and sometimes we miss it because what happens is we get so caught up in, in what we're doing that we just want to get back home. We just want to get back, and we never, ever stop to think that maybe the gas station attendant, God may be wanting you to stop and give them a word. God may be wanting you to stop and lay hands on them and pray for them. God may be wanting you to step out of your comfort zone and say, let me tell you about a man that changed my life. Let me tell you, because I'm looking at you. Let me tell you about a man that can change your life. You see, in, in, in Luke chapter 5 in our foundational text, um, Jesus went about, right? He, he goes and I, I want you to see what he's doing here. He's he goes and he's preaching in the boat. He sees the boat and he sees Peter. And how many know that, that Jesus have his eyes on Peter? He's just, not, he's just not out there. Jesus never did anything except with, with purpose. Amen? See, that will help a lot of us. Learn to walk with purpose. Jesus, knowing exactly what he wanted to do, he sets Peter up. He preaches to the masses. And then he says to Peter, Peter. Peter, let's go fishing. Lunch out in the deep. Peter said, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, you're a carpenter. Carpenters don't know nothing about fishing. All right? Jesus says, Peter, lunch out into the deep. What was Peter's first response? You don't fish out there. I mean, don't you understand? We've been trying to reach, we've been trying to get the fish, but ain't none there. There's nothing there, Jesus. I mean, you're out of your mind. There are no fish. But aren't you glad that Peter, even in his not wanting to do it, he went ahead and did it anyway? He said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. See, the breakthrough comes a lot of times and just saying, I'll do it. And Peter dropped down the net. And did you see the picture? The picture was great, wasn't it? All the fish 
that were in the net. It was so many fish. And, and I'm sure the disciples and everybody was like, and I, you know, John and James, all these guys that sitting there, they're watching this and they're like, what, what is this? What just happened? What, what do you do? How, how did this happen? Jesus said to him, Peter, I'm going to teach you from now on to be a fisher of men. Jesus walks on the scene. He engages ordinary life. You know, you can walk into the lives of people. I was golfing. I, I, hit, I, I golfed the other day. And, and you know, and I, and, and I always love to talk golf. With, one of the things I love about golfing is you get to golf with strangers a lot of times, especially if you go by yourself. They always try to hook you up with somebody you don't know. And I love that. And, and, and so, am I, and I'm thinking, of course, I'm meditating on my sermon. And I'm looking at this, that, and I'm thinking, man, I'm going I'm to show you how to golf and, and, and get par for the rest of your life in the name of Jesus, winning souls. And I begin to minister to him and begin to tell him about the love of God. Because there wasn't, it's not a wasted moment. I'm just not going through this life. People, wake up. There are dead people all around you. Wake up. Stop trying to get home and watch TV. Stop trying to get home and do nothing. The mundane and the routine. Wake up and engage a generation. Engage with people. Put yourself in places where God can use you. Like when Jesus stepped out and said, Peter, I'm going to change your life, Peter. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. How many know Peter's life was never the same? The Bible said Peter gave up everything. Everything. He left it all. And Jesus' passion became his passion. And Jesus was after one thing with them, and he's after with you. To go and be fishers of men. He didn't say go and just have a great church service. He didn't just say go and have a great sermon. He didn't just say go and have great fellowship and eat. He said, I want you to be a fisher of men. Think about it this way. Think if the apostles, when Jesus left the earth, do you think Jesus would have been happy with the apostles if they just had church on Sunday morning, got up in the synagogue, had their regular service, didn't engage many people at all, but they were better people. They were better. But let's just say that they didn't, they didn't do what they did. They didn't go out and live on the edge. How many know the apostles were always living on the edge? <laughs> you read the book of Acts, it's edge stuff. I mean, every time you read the book of Acts, I mean, it's always like, it's like they're just on the edge. God is giving them a rod. But if you think, if the apostles, what if the apostles didn't do that? If they just kind of got their faith and they just kind of said, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm good. If somebody asks me, I'll tell them. But outside of that, I'm just really going to just try to be a good person. How many think Jesus would have been satisfied with that? How many of you would think that they would have really changed the world? Twelve men changed the world because they took this passion and they went and it made Fishers of men. They share their faith. So Jesus sets a precedent. Look at uh, Luke chapter number 15. Turn with, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Um, that was my introduction to the series, by the way. So every bit of those two minutes, I hope you captured all that. That was a joke and nobody laughed. Y'all are just terrible today. It's just, this is just, we have to pray. Come to Wednesday prayer or something. Do something. Wake up. Get excited in Jesus' name. You're alive. You're going to heaven. That ought to get you excited, even if nothing else do. <laughs> you ain't going to die and go spend eternity in hell. That ought to get you excited. Jesus, again, even though we just concluded our series of controversial Christ, he, Jesus is always controversial. He's sitting here in verse number one in chapter 15. Look at this. Then all the tax collectors. Are, are you in Luke chapter 15, verse 1? Yeah. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners. Say sinners. Yeah. Say again. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. What do, they, what do sinners do? 
Who do they want to hang out with? We're talking about Jesus. Y'all know that, right? We're talking about holiness. Y'all understand that, right? Pharisees, that offended them that they would never sit down and eat with somebody who was a sinner because it would mess up their anointing. Jesus said this. Look at, look at number two, uh, verse number two. And the Pharisees and the scribes complain. They complain. Why are they complaining? Because Jesus is sitting down and the sinners and everybody coming to him. Now watch this. They've been drawn to Jesus. Jesus is the life of the party. Do y'all see that? Jesus is the life of a sinful party. I didn't say he was sinning. I said he come into that dark place and everybody starts to surround him. Be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transform. Don't be like them. You go change them. Uh-huh. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying to this man, saying, this man receives sinners. And not only did he receive them, he got the nerve, the nerve to sit down and have a steak with him. Filet me on. Trout, catfish. He has a nerve to sit and he eat with them. He eats with sinners. You see, if you understand what Jesus was all about, this really wouldn't bother you much. Because Jesus said in another place that I did not call, come to call the ones who think they're righteous. <laughs> I came to call those who are sick, who need healing. And the only way you're going to get to those who are sick and need healing, you've got to kind of engage, right? Now, some of you will say, well, well, pastor, that's cool. See, that's the reason why I'm going to the party, because Jesus hung out with sinners. He did, but he didn't sin. And he didn't hang out to get drunk. He didn't hang out to, to, to engage in their filthy jokes. He hung out with them so that he can change them. So if you want to go to the party, I'm going to ask you a question. Why are you going to the party? Are you going to make a difference? Are you really going to uh, preach the gospel of the kingdom? Are you really seeking to save that which was lost, or do you just want to go and hang out? I'm stepping on some toes, and I can feel the tension. Because Jesus did hang out with sinners. But they didn't rub off on him. He walked into dark places, and his idea was, I'm going up in here, and I'm going up in here with a mission. I want to change these people. <laughs> I want to introduce these people to somebody that revolutionized my life. I'm going right up in this bar seat, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to pray to God to send me somebody. Somebody who was lost, who was thinking on the verge of suicide, on the verge of giving up on life. God, I'm going to believe that today you're going to use me in this environment. And that how me know when you walk in darkness, you get all of that and then some. You get all of it. See, I want you to get excited about being on the wild side. I want you to get excited about understanding that every person matters to God. Everyone matters to God. Say that with me. Everyone matters to God. Say it again. Everyone matters to God. Say it one more time. Everyone matters to God. Everybody, every person matters to God. If there is breath in their bodies, it matters to him. Shame on us when we say that there's no hope for that person. As long as there's a God in heaven, and last time I checked, it's forever. All things are possible to him who believes. All things. All is possible. It doesn't matter what you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. God can turn it around in a minute. Because that's the kind of God he is. If he can raise people from the dead, he's saying, what can't I do? He can do this. Look at the name and say, God can do this. 
See, you got to believe with all of your heart that all things are possible. I know you're looking at the situation and you're saying ain't no hope. There's always hope in the blood. There's always hope in Jesus. And when we don't treat every individual with the love of God the way that he truly loves them, then it is as, it is as, as if we are, we are dishonoring, we're, we're disrespecting, we're, 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 not, we're not really uh, being true to the gospel message. We're not. So Jesus goes on the whole chapter 15 of Luke. We're not going to read the whole chapter. We'll take a couple excerpts here and there, and then we'll be done. So Jesus takes the whole chapter of Luke chapter 15 to give rapid parables, three of them, and he fires them off. Why? What was the foundation for Jesus wanting to do this? Because the Pharisees and everybody else was looking at him saying, why are you sitting down with them? Well, let me tell you, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you why I am sitting down with sinners. Let me tell you why I'm in places that you don't think I ought to be. Let me tell you why I'm on a mission. I don't have time for frivolous things. Let me explain to you why. Jesus said, in, look at this. In, uh, uh, we're still in Luke chapter 15. Look at verse number four. He says this. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one, everybody say one, one. which is lost until he what? Finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, guess what? Rejoicing. Happy. How many know that when people come to the Lord, you should be happy? You know, I, I'm sad, I hate to say this, and I was debating into my mind. I said, Lord, should I say this or not? But there have been times when I've seen people standing up here that come up here and can give their life to the Lord, and I've seen some people sit up there like, dead to reality. Don't understand that this is the core of what it's about. Do y'all hear me? The core of Christianity is not about you just getting your praise on. It's not about you having the right service you want. It's not about you having the right dress code, the right preaching. It's not about that. The core of the gospel message is that the lost get saved, they get redeemed, so that they can spend eternity with him. That's why we do what we do. We do it for no other reason. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. If we're not evangelizing, we're not serious yet. I had, let me, let me stop for one second. It's amazing. I was sitting, I'm going to tell you how this series got birthed. Sitting a couple of weeks ago, and I haven't even talked to these two brothers about it, so I hope they don't mind. But Brother Edwin, I'm proud of Brother Edwin. Brother Edwin told me, he said, I'm going to a whole nother level. He said, God is showing me some things. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching him. And I'm seeing him grow. And I'm seeing him take I mean, you know, ushers, if you ain't together, you better start getting it together because Brother Edward coming. Brother Edwin is coming, and he's coming. So we're all in that little conference room, and they have an usher meeting, and it's me, Edwin, and a couple other people in there, and, and, and Brother Walter. And so the conversation kind of went something like this. Now, I'm paraphrasing, so y'all forgive me if I don't get it exactly right. But something came along, something happened, and something was said that, to the effect of, well, where are we going to get the people? We need this and that because we were talking about expansion. Amen? How many know that when you're in the kingdom of God, you're always talking about expansion? The minute you stop talking about expansion, you're dying. You understand that, right? So you're always expanding. So, so I'm listening, and, and, and then so, so Brother Edwin says something to the effect, you know, we need this, we need that. Where are we going to get them? And, and Brother Walter came out and said something that punched me right in the face. He says, go out there and get them. And he don't know it yet, but at that moment, I was dazed because it struck me afresh that you want to see your ministry leaders, you want to see your ministry grow, then you go out and get them. You want children working in children's ministry, go get them. You want ushers, go get them. You want people working in the media department, go get them. You want people on the praise team, go get them. Go get them. 
The harvest is clear. Well, here's what we have a tendency to do. We just kind of look around and say, well, this ain't, this ain't what we got. Wait a minute. It ain't about that. That's why we got what we got. Because we're not looking outward. See, I'm always thinking outward because we're not thinking outward. We're not being true to the gospel message. You hear what I'm saying? We need to get excited. So the Bible says, let's keep reading. So the Bible says this, that he came, that he comes in verse 6, and when he comes home, he together with his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you <laughs> that likewise that there will be more joy. Everybody say more joy. In heaven over one sinner. Wait a minute. He didn't say 15 of them. He didn't say over 10 of them. He said there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 just, the just who don't need no repentance. You know, what, you know what really gets God? You want God to really be excited about a church? God, let, let me tell you, God does rejoice over us. And he does love us and all of that. But, 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 but think about this. If we really want to get heaven excited, get their juices flowing, boy, when a sinner says, you know what, God, I want to live right, I'm sorry, boy, heaven break out. Heaven have a party. They start celebrating. The Bible says there's joy over one. Over one. It's like, man, they throw a big, I mean, I don't know what kind of party heaven, but I'm thinking if heaven going to throw a party, it's a bad party. Yeah. If heaven going to throw it, it's going to be right. Amen. Righteous. Hallelujah. It's going to be right. But the Bible said there's joy. Everybody say joy. joy. Over one that repents. One person that says, you know what? I, I want to I get it right. Boy, that gets heaven going. God gets excited. But then Jesus gives that one parable. But then let's look at the second one he gives. He says, look at verse number eight. Oh, what woman? Having ten silver coins, you know, women, they, lose, they know how to, they look for that stuff when they want it. You know, a female, she looks, brother. Oh, what woman? Don't get mad at me. Jesus said, it. I'm just quoting it. <laughs> and, and what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, come on, ladies, y'all help me preach, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. How many know that when you talk about winning the loss, when you're talking about drawing the loss to Christ, how many know you got to be persistent? Come on, church. You got sometimes you got to look, and sometimes it gets hard. Come on, somebody. I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's some time when it seems like, man, you keep sharing, you keep sharing, and if you're not careful, you'll, 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 you'll get malaised, and you'll kind of drop back, and you'll kind of like say, man, you know, just kind of chill a little bit. But ain't no chilling in the kingdom. Last I checked, the devil ain't chilled yet. He gonna be chilled, but he ain't chilled yet. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> he, it's coming. But he's still red hot. In other words, he's still active. And we ain't got no time to stop. Come on, somebody. We need to be persistent. Where the souls at? Turn some stuff upside down. Where they at? Where the souls at? Go out in the street. Shake some bushes. Go out in the grocery store. Where they at? Where they? I know they out here somewhere. They're out there. I know that because Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Peter, the fish are out there. Did you see him? Did you see all the fish? They were always there. They were there. They're there. This woman was persistent, and she didn't give up. On that one little coin. Some of you got some folk that you've been praying for, a loved one that, you, that, been, that you've been praying for, that's been giving you fits, won't come to Christ, whatever the case might be, don't you give up. You keep on looking, you keep on trying, you keep on sowing, because here's, 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 here's look at this, verse number 10 in that same chapter, likewise. I say to you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Heaven know how to throw parties. Y'all who talk about you want to go to a party, y'all ain't, listen, the, the party of this world ain't nothing. Every time I hear somebody say, I'm going to go to a party, I'm like, okay. Been there, done that. How many know it don't satisfy? 
It leaves you empty. It's full of deception. It probably makes you feel bad. <laughs> but you know, heaven is fun. People try to think, man, in heaven, all we're going to do all day is just kind of walk around. We're going we're gonna to do more than just walk around heaven. We're going to serve him. We're going to worship him. We're going to have responsibilities in heaven. And we're going to be full of joy all the time. And it's going to be one big continuous party. Because heaven knows how to throw a party. Every single time somebody comes to God. Every single time somebody walk up here and say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to get it right. Every single time, heaven breaks out. A Harlem shake, whatever that is. Some of y'all, I just do some of you. Don't worry about it. Forget it. Forget it. I never said it. Scratch it. Scratch it. Some of y'all try to figure that out. Leave it alone. Kids, leave it alone. Did the kids over there. I got them. See, y'all didn't think Pastor knew that. I know what that, I know what that is. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> My body don't move like that. Amen. I can assure you of that. Them days are long gone. <laughs> but then look at this third parable that Jesus gives as we're talking about. This is, this is the one that, that I love. So you get the prodigal son. How many of you are familiar with the story of the prodigal son? Right. Prodigal son. Daddy, give me my inheritance. Give me my money, Dad. Won't even time yet. Father wishing to respect his freedom and let him go. I mean, though, some folks, you just got to let him go. I, I know it's hard. Take it from Daddy, it's hard. But some people won't get it until they learn the hard way. That's just, I don't, you know, you don't want it to be that way. But this is one of those guys. Daddy, I want my inheritance. And you know what? He won't think about doing any good with that inheritance. So he goes out, he gets his father's inheritance, and you know what he does? The Bible says that he gets crazy. He goes out and lives like a wild man on the loose. Look at, look at what it says. Some of y'all are looking at me like you don't believe me. Um, look at verse 13. And not many days after. So in other words, as soon as he got the money, he was already trashing it. Not many days. Watch this. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions. Everybody say wasted. With prodigal living. Prodigal living is riotous, wild, out of control living. But then what happens, I'm paraphrasing because we've got to finish. So then what happens, he spent up all his money, a famine comes, Stuff get hard, and the boy finds himself hanging out with pigs, working at a, at a pig pen. And then it got so bad for him, he had nothing. How many know that sometimes people have to get to a place where they got nothing? So this prodigal son had nothing. All, in fact, here's what he said. He said that he was even tempted to eat the pig's food. And then some, a light bulb came on at that point. He like snapped out of it. Like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like the Holy Ghost hit him. Boom, hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, out of nowhere, right? He says, he says, oh, what am, what am I doing? How do I, how did I, how did I get here? I mean, how did I, what, how did I, how did I get to this? How many of you ever looked at your life like that from time to time and say, how in the world did I get here? How? How? And he came to his senses, like many of you all, right? You came to your senses. God got you. God got you. He stayed on you. He kept hounding you. God got you. He came to his senses. He says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my daddy because, I, you know, I had an inheritance and, and you know, and, and my daddy would have given me anything I wanted. So I'm going to ask my dad if he can just let, make me one of his hired servants because I ain't even fit. I'm not even worth to be placed where I, to, to be where I was before I left because I've done so bad. I've blown it. I've messed up royally. And so he's rehearsing all this in his mind. I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell. I'm gonna, and hopefully my dad will say, come on, son. Look at verse number 20. Are y'all still in Luke chapter 15? We're almost done. Stay with me. Amen. 
Stay with me. Don't, don't, don't lose out on me yet. Don't go. I see some of your eyes getting glazed. Stay with me, please. I know that glazed look anywhere. Hallelujah. Lord, I cast it off them. That sleep demon. Hallelujah. Verse number 15. Look at, look at verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father, the prodigal. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had what? You know what that tells me? That all the while, the father just kept looking out there, hoping one day the boy comes home. Just wanted to come home. So he's out there looking. So the father sees him, and the father, the Bible says, runs to him. Wait a minute. How are you going to run to that guy who just did what he did? That guy should be executed. He got what he deserved. Let him get, let him eat the fruit of his doings. He got everything he did. But the father don't think that way. <laughs> y'all don't want me. Y'all don't want, y'all don't want, y'all don't want me to preach the truth, do you? And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I can imagine that boy thinking at that moment, man, I thought I was coming. Think, you know, he was thinking he was going to come back to judgment, to condemnation. Where you been? What you did? What you did? You terrible, no good. What you did? You, you ain't no good. You're terrible. No, 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 no. Father runs to him, saw my boy, and kissed him. I can imagine what was going through his head. How do you know it's hard to walk away from love like that? It is hard to walk away from love like that. And he said, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, listen to this. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. In other words, the father didn't even want to listen to what he did. Father didn't care. He said, look, go, put the, go get the best stuff and dress up. It's almost like. This boy is being promoted for his wrongdoing. But see, if you think in the worldly way, that's how you would think. But when you think in heaven's way, here's a man that was lost. Now he's found. He could have went somewhere else. He could have stayed where he was. He could have went and did something else, but he came back home to his father. And what the father do? The father said, boy, I don't want to hear what you got to say. It's this party time. Let's rejoice. Let's have a good time. Dad, you do know Let me, let me explain. I don't want to hear it. Let's, re let's rejoice because my son who was dead is now alive. The one it doesn't matter if they left, they're saved, they backslid, they come back to God, or whether or not they just simply come to God. It's all the same. When they come, there's rejoicing. There's, it doesn't matter. But how many know not everybody shares that enthusiasm? Mm. Look at verse number. Look at verse number 28 in Luke chapter 15, and we're closing. But he was angry. This is the older brother. The older brother. This is the one. Watch this, y'all. This is the one that's been doing everything right. This is the one that's been faithful. This is the one that came to rehearsal every time the rehearsal was supposed to be there. This is the one that showed up in church every Sunday. This is the one that you call him to do with it. He did everything he was supposed to do. This is that one. And he lets his daddy hear it. You know what he says to his daddy? He said, but... But he was angry and would not go in because they threw a party for his younger brother. He got angry, and therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. Father, came, father had to come out and say, son, come on, please, come on, come on, rejoice. I mean, your brother, he's giving his life to the Lord. He's getting this thing right. But look what he says. He says, so he answered and said to his father, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These many years I've been serving you. I have never transgressed your command, 
meant at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Jealousy. Why do the people of God get jealous? You know, every time somebody give their life, is willing to give their life to the Lord and do right, we ought to do what we can to push them up. Push them up. Don't try to wait and give them six, five, seven, eight different tests. Push them up. They come home. They're making a proclamation. I want to get it right. Look what he said in verse 30. And then this is the, the, the goal of this guy. He says, but as soon as this son of yours, in other words, he ain't even my, my brother, came, who has divided your livelihood with the harness. Now, who wants to bring up what he did? I said, who wants to bring up his past? The brother. How many know the church folk is just like the brother sometimes? Come on, y'all church folk. Come on, y'all religious people. Come on, you want to bring up everything they did wrong, don't you? Oh, I want to bring up, but they were this, but they were that. But you notice that the father didn't even ask him. See, you probably saying, man, if I was that man, I would have had to sit that brother down and have a conversation with him. Father said, no. All I know is he's here. <laughs> All I know is he came out of darkness and he is here. And the Bible says that for that reason, we ought to rejoice. If for no other reason. Listen, we don't need to try to figure out, oh, are they really sincere? Are they sincere? I remember I used to do that a lot when I used to be out on the street doing evangelism when I was in my first church, and I would always do that because, you know, a couple of people say they pray and receive the Lord, and then you never see them. So I got in this thing, man. So everybody I talked to, man, I was, I'd be like, I'd give you up and down. I'd cross you up and try to figure out what's up with you because I had a judgmental spirit. But God didn't call me to judge anybody. He called me to preach the gospel. That's what he called me to do. He didn't call me to judge. He called me to try to figure out what's in your heart. All I know is this young man came home, and the father got excited. The, they threw a party, and the person that should have understood the difference between life and death should have been celebrating, saying, "Good, my brother home. Treat him right. Good. I'm glad. Hopefully, 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 brother, hopefully we'll love you so much that you don't want nothing else to do with that world. That's how you do a person who's drifted away. That's how God feels about every single person. Everyone. I know sometimes that, that we want answers, but sometimes, let me tell you something, all we need to do is just flow with what God is doing. He's home. That's all I know. He's home, and for that, we're going to rejoice. So I want to say this to you in closing this morning. I hope that hearing this message that a couple of things have been accomplished. That you understand, first and foremost, that God loves you deeply. He cares about you deeply. But the same love in which he loves you, he loves the sinner and wants to see them experience what you got. Do not hold on to what you got no longer. It will become like manna. You remember that stale manna? They had the manna? And it had it too long. And, and you know, and it, and it get rotten. And, and that's what happened with Christians. Because if you're not dispensing, you become stale. And it's like, man, I'm bored. How can you be bored and be a Christian if you're doing this work? You ain't bored. Man, you're out there with so many people. I mean, there's enough freakiness out there today. It keep your, keep your eyes wide open. Come on, somebody. There's some freakiness out there. Brother by there laughing. I mean, it's some freak shows. I mean, that's enough right there to keep me bing, eyes wide open. You're bored because we're not busy doing this work. We preach the truth here. Jesus said, you know the truth and the truth will make you free. We preach it. And if you live it 
if you get serious and you get on the wild side and stop just doing your mundane and routine every day, but step out every single day of your life and say, Lord, today, 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 I'm believing that I'm going to have a God encounter with somebody. Lord, today, Lord God, that my karate instructor, I'm going to have pray that I get a conversation with him. God, I'm going to get a conversation with my boss. I'm going to go to a conversation with my colonel or whoever it is your chain of command is. I'm going to talk to the doctor at the hospital. I'm going to share with the folks at my office. I'm going to believe. I'm going to talk and I'm going to engage and I'm going to step back and watch what God does. Go to the grocery store. Don't just look at that person and get mad because they ain't moving fast enough. Well, you see everybody else is mad at them. But you looking at it from, there's a divine appointment right here. Something good can happen. When everybody else is mad at you and everybody else wants to tell you how bad you are, I'm here to tell you God loves you. Yeah, I'm here to tell you that he's come for you today. And he wants to change your life. This is what it means. And that clip when that illustrated it so well, when Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, I want to change your life. I want to give you an opportunity to live life really. God wants to give us an opportunity to live life really. There's no reason why if we all get busy about sharing, there's no reason why that the chairs continue to be empty. It's, listen, it's not osmosis, people. It's very simple. The church grows when the people evangelize. That's it. It's you come up with all the gimmicks, you come up with all the neat little things, but when the people evangelize, the people get saved, and people get transformed. We talked the other day in our Bible study, and we talked about just flowing and just believing God for miracles and signs and wonders why we evangelize. I thought we had a wonderful Bible study Wednesday. And uh, then we not, for those who came? And, and, and you know, and, and, and what, it, what, what God was saying is that God wants to do something, but we just got to be willing to launch out. Take a chance. Don't look at your friends no more, just friends and acquaintances. Figure out, just be, listen to the Holy Spirit. Jump on an opportunity. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, we love you. We love you so much. Thank you for your word.